Okay, uh, Parshas Vayeshev is uh, this week's Parsha, also uh, the Shabbos before Hanukkah. So we have a difficult job, difficult task ahead of us. What does Parshas Vayeshev have to do with Hanukkah? So the beginning of the Parsha, the Torah begins to tell us about the conflict between Yosef and his brothers. And the Pasuk says that Yosef brought Dibasam Ra'el Avihem. Bayavei Yosef es Dibasam Ra'el Avihem. Yosef brought a bad report to their father. So exactly what did Yosef tell Yaakov Avinu about the other brothers? What was this report? What, what exactly did he tell him? You know, did he say, you know, you know my brothers are not coming on time to the Shir, they're not coming on time to Shachas. Well, what exactly were they not doing that was correct? So the Medrash tells us, Says the what exactly did Yosef tell their father, his father? So we have three opinions, Rav Meir, Rav Yehuda, for Rav Shimon. Rav Meir, Oimer, Yosef told Yaakov Avinu that the Shvatim were suspect on Ever Menachai. They were eating the flesh, the limb of a living animal. Which is a very severe avera. This is not just something that a Jew is now to do. This is something that even a non-Jew, even a guy, it's one of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noyach. Right? It's one of the Noachai laws. And yet, the Medrash is telling us that Yosef came to Yaakov and he says, Your children, not only are they not good Jews, they're not even being good Goyim. That's the first opinion. Reb Shimon Oimer, Toilen hein eneyam b'vnoisa'aret. They're acting inappropriately with, with uh, Noshim. They're not acting properly. According to the Medrash, there were, there were acts of illicit relations that the, bro- that the brothers were having, at least according to Yosef's report. <coughs> Very difficult to understand. I mean, this is what Yosef tells his father about the Shvatim, about the Shifteka, about, right, we know the brothers, their names were inscribed on the uh, Choshen, on the breastplate of the Kohen Gadol, on the uh, shoulder straps of the Kohen Gadol. They, why? Because they were 12 perfect individuals. We know about Yaakov Avinu Bahaisa Mitasa Shalema. His family was whole. It was complete. Not like Avraham. Avraham had Yishmael. Not like Yitzchak. Yitzchak had Esav. Yaakov, his whole family, they're all tzaddikim. And yet, look what Yosef is telling Yaakov Avinu. So, so far we have Reb Meir's opinion. We have Reb Shimon's opinion. Reb Yehuda Aimer. Mezalzel in Hain. Bevnei Hashvachos. V'karin lahem avadim. According to Reb Yehuda, you know what Yosef told Yaakov? That... <coughs> The brothers are putting down the sons of the maidservants, right? We know Yaakov Inu had four wives, Rachel and Leah, Bila and Zilpah. And Bila and Zilpah maybe were not full wives, they were Shifachos, and their children were who? Dan and Naftali, God and Asher. And Yosef was saying that the brothers, you know, when they would be hanging out, when Reuven, Shimon, Levi, who they saw, when they would all be hanging out together, it almost sounds like they would come to Yaakov, that the bro- Yosef tells Yaakov that... The real brothers were telling, you know, the fake brothers, you know, you guys are avadim, you guys are slaves, your mama, right? You know how it goes, right? They were making fun of their mother, making fun of their lineage. Rabbi Yehuda bar Simon Omar, excuse me, Rabbi Yehuda Omar, Vitlasei and Laka, all three, all three, they criticized, Yosef criticized his brothers for violating all of these three sins. Number one, eating Avram and Achat. Number two, 
They were acting inappropriately. And number three, they were disparaging their brothers. And the question that we have to ask ourselves, and this question is raised by the Shla Kadosh, is that this whole episode of the Medrash, this whole Indian that the Medrash is telling us, doesn't seem to make so much sense. I mean, do you really think the Shvatim did this? The Shvatim ate Avram and Achai? A guy that eats Avram and Achai, he's Chayiv Misa. If you would catch, you know, a non-Jew walking down the street and he sees a chicken, and he would bite off the head of a chicken, that's, you know, Im if we, were, we had control, that would be the end of him. Avram and Achai is one of the Shemes of I mean, you think the Shvatim violated... Violated, they were toiler and amb of nice hearts, they acted inappropriately with the banais. You think the Shvatim would make fun of their brothers? I mean, it doesn't sound uh, reasonable. So, what are you going to say? Yosef made it up? Yosef made up a Baba Maisa? He really didn't like his brother, so he told his father this story? I mean, why, how could Yosef do something like that? I mean, either way you look at it, it doesn't make so much sense. Did the brothers do this? If it doesn't make sense, the Shvatim would violate these Averos. On the other hand, what, Yosef made up a story? How, how could a tzaddik like Yosef make up this kind of uh, fabricated story? So what are you going to say? Says the Shla, you have to say it was true. You have to say that whatever Yosef said was absolutely true. Why? Why do you have to say that? Because the Shla says we find two cases in Chumash of Lashon Hara. We have the Meraglim and we have Yosef. By the Miraglim it says, Diba. They brought out a report. By Yosef it says, Vayaveh Dibasam. They brought it. What's the difference between Vayaveh and Maitzieh? The difference is Maitzieh means you take out. Meaning you make up a story out of the blue, out of the air. It has no basis in reality. It's not based even on a true story. Vayaveh means you take the facts and you bring them from A to B. So says Ashla, says you have to say this was true. <coughs> you have to say the brothers were eating Avram and Achai, they were suspect with Naisa Aretz, and they were putting down their brothers. That's what the words mean. Vayave Yosef means he was relaying accurate information. So the question is, but how could this be true? How could we say about the Shivtei How could we say about Sadiqim, whose names appear on the Chayshen, Lefnei Hashem, that they committed this type of Avera? Okay. Let's talk a little bit about Hanukkah. The Gemara tells us in the Sefer Shabbos, My Hanukkah, what is Hanukkah? And the Gemara goes on to say that the Yivanim, they came into the Heichal and they made everything sully, they sullied everything, they made everything tame, they made everything impure, they defiled all of the oil until the Hashmanan prevailed and what happened? They come into the Beis HaMikdash, they want to make the big, do the big cleanup job, right? And they're looking for the oil. They're looking everywhere. All the oil, it's contaminated. It's all impurified. It's all sullied. Until they find one flask of oil that was signed with the signet of the Kain Gadol. Says the Gemara, how much oil was in this flask? One day's worth. One night's worth. They lit it. Lo and behold, a miracle happened. And it lasted for eight days. Right? We all know that. Everybody knows that. Right? Probably the most well-known question of Maran Bet Yosef, right? The most famous question the Beis Yosef asks is the question he asks on Hanukkah. And we can even make the case that this is probably the most well-known question in all of Jewish literature. And the question, I'm sure, 
most of you are familiar with is that, think about it. They had enough oil to last for one day. It lasted for eight days. So how many days were miraculous? Seven days. So why do we celebrate Hanukkah for eight days? We should only celebrate seven days of Hanukkah, right? You ever hear this question? If you ever went to any Hanukkah party and, you know, somebody got up to speak, yeah, that was the question that they had. That's what they spoke about. Even if you fell asleep, you know that's what they asked, right? The Beis Yosef's Kasha, that the miracle was only for seven days, so why is Hanukkah what? Why is Hanukkah eight days? Okay. Not only this is such a popular question, they have a safer at home, it's called Ner Lamea, gives a hundred answers to this question, right? Sal told me he has, a, he has a safer at home with 500 answers to this question, right? That means in the last year, they came up with another 400 answers to the question. So, right, you have 100, I like the, his grandson, his, the author's name was Rachmiel Zelter, his grandson was in my class in elementary school, so I always, you know, I grew up knowing that the, this kid's grandfather has 100 answers to the Beis Yosef's Kasha. So, let's read the Beis Yosef's question inside. At least, you know, once in your lifetime, you have to see what the Beis Yosef asks inside. Beis Yosef asks, look at number four. Why did Chazal enact eight days of Hanukkah? Since there was enough oil to last for one night, the miracle was only seven nights. That is the famous question of the Beis Yosef. The only thing is, you know, why does the Beis Yosef get all the credit for this question? So, you know, we would think that the Beis Yosef, you have on your sheet, he lived from 1488 to 1575. He must have been the first one to ask the question. So the Nehra Lamea points out that he wants everyone to know the Beis Yosef was not the one who invented this question. Because the Me'iri, who lived from 1249 to 1316, the Me'iri asked this question before the Beis Yosef. The Me'iri asked, Shel Hayasham so why are you making a yomtif out of the first day of Hanukkah? There was no miracle on the first day of Hanukkah. So this question of the Beis Yosef was already asked by the Me'iri, as pointed out by the Sefer Ner Lamea. He just wants to make it clear to everyone, this is not really the question of the Beis Yosef. Now certainly the Sefer Ner Lamea is the expert on the question of the Beis Yosef, but the Me'iri was not the first person to ask this question. Because I found someone who asked the question even before the Me'iri asked the question. Even a hundred years before the Me'iri, there was somebody by the name of Rabbi Avram Bar Yitzchak. One of the Rishonim, he wrote the Sefer HaEshkal. And the Sefer HaEshkal asked the same question. And again, the question is, if there was enough oil to last for one day, why do we celebrate eight days of Hanukkah? There were only seven miraculous days. Rabbi Said, the Beis Yosef gives three answers to the question. You ready? Answer number one. What they did was, they poured in the first night an eighth of the oil they had, and all of a sudden, it regenerated. It lasted for the entire night. So even the first day was a miracle. So what they did was, the first night they poured in an eighth, and it filled up. The second night they poured in an eighth, it filled up. The third night they, po- they poured in an eighth, it filled up. So how many days of miracles were there? Eight days of miracles. That's the first answer of the basis. The second answer of the basis. Eight days was the most. What did they choose? What? 
Like, why did they choose an eighth? Oh, because they knew it would take eight days to find new oil. Either it was a four-day travel, or they had to be matara themselves. So, yeah. So the, the uh, or you could say, says the Beisoyev, they poured in the whole cup the first night, and then as soon as they poured it into the menorah, the cup regenerated. Or you could say, says the Beisoyev, they poured in the whole cup the first night, and as soon as it burnt down, already the first night it regenerated. These are the three answers of the basis. Okay. My favorite answer to the Beisoyev's kasha. Ready for this? My favorite answer comes from the Shiltis. Okay. Who is the Shiltis? The Shiltis was written by one of the Ga'inim, the, one of the uh, great sages from the Ga'onic period, even before the Rishonim, Rabbi Achoi Ga'in. Now, Rabbi Achoi Ga'in is very interesting. The Shiltis was a very modern sefer when it was written. You know, it may have been even controversial. Why? Because until the Shiltis, if you wanted to write a sefer on halacha, so you wrote a Shulchan Aram, you wrote a tour, but to write on the parsha. To write halachas on the parsha, what is it, like art scroll? You're gonna write halachas on the parsha? That's like you know for, I don't know, for you know for kids, for children, you know people. But you write on the parsha. If you look in the Meiri's Hakdama to Perkei Avos, the Meiri traces back the tradition, the Masaira, from Moshe Rabbeinu all the way until the Rebbe of the Meiri himself, and the Meiri lists on that chain Rav Goin. And the Meiri says, why is Rabbi Chai Goin writing halachas on the parsha? Listen to this. The Meiri writes, Rabbi Chai Goin yeshlo ben shalo haya lo made klal. Rabbi Chai Goin had a son who did not crack open a safe. That's what Meiri writes. He didn't learn. He wasn't interested in Gemara. So Rabbi Chai Goin said, what am I going to do? I'm going to, you know, he's going to be a dropout. So I'll have to write the shultas so my son could learn something. So Rabbi Chai Goin wrote, Halachos on the Parsha. And that already set a precedent. From then on, it became very popular to write Halachos on the Parsha, the Sefer Achinuch, and many other storms. So, if you look in the Shiltis, the Shiltis has a different version of the story. You ready for this? The Shiltis says like this. The Shiltis says, look at number 8. Tanya, b'chafhe b'kislev yomei dolei l'misbad. The 25th day of Kislev, you have 8 days, you don't eulogize. Shekshan nichnesu yivanim l'heichal. They searched, they couldn't find oil. Listen to this. They didn't have enough oil even to last for one day. Not like the Gemara. The Gemara said they had enough oil to last for one day. Look at the Shultas. Shultas says they didn't have enough oil even to last for one day. So if that's the story, the question doesn't begin, right? The question is, why do we have Hanukkah eight days? But they had enough oil for the first day. The first day wasn't a miracle. No, they didn't. According to the Shultas, they didn't even have enough oil for the first day. So the question doesn't even begin. And that, I assume, is probably why nobody asked the question until the Sefer HaEshkel 1,100 years later. Because the Sefer HaEshkel, when he asks the question, he says, according to the Gersa of the Shultis, there's no question over here. But the, one of the original Gersais in the Gemara is, they didn't even have enough oil to last for one day. So then the question doesn't even begin. You don't need a Sefer of 100 Terutzim, you certainly don't need a Sefer of 500 Terutzim. There's no question. Even the first day was a miracle. The problem is, 
the Shiltis contradicts himself. Because if you look five pages earlier in the Shiltis, the Shiltis says, look at number nine, There was enough oil to last for one day. So now before we use the Shiltis to answer the question, you know, the Shiltis has to make up his mind. Did they have enough oil for the one day or did they not have enough oil for one day? The Shiltis says in number nine earlier, they had enough oil to last for one day. So we're in big trouble here, right? The Shiltis is in big trouble. On the one hand, he wants to answer the question, they didn't even have enough oil for the first day. But then earlier, he says explicitly, they had enough oil for them. So Rabbi said, who do we turn to when we're in trouble? Let's see, you know, who's been here long enough to know who we turn to when we're in trouble? Rabbi. Which one? Which one? Which one? You. You. Me, yeah. The Chidah, come on. <laughs> All right, you're going to have to come back. It's good. Okay. The Chidah, right? So the Chidah says that according to the Gersa of the Shiltis, there's no question over here. Because they didn't even have enough oil for one day. But the problem is, says the Chidah, the Shiltis contradicts himself. Says the Chidah, they're both true. There was enough oil for one day, and there wasn't enough oil for one day. Aye. <laughs> How could you have enough oil for one day and not? He says, very simple. In this cup, there's enough oil for one day. But you're not lighting this cup. You're lighting the menorah. So when you pour from this cup into the menorah, some of the oil is going to stick to the inside of the cup. So once you pour it, you no longer have enough oil for one night. In other words, says If you have exactly enough oil for one night in this cup, then once you put it into the menorah, there is slightly less than enough oil for one night. So then it comes out even the first night was a miracle. Okay. Rabbi said that was just tangential. Okay, that was just tangential. We are not here this evening to talk about the question of the Beis Yosef. We'll leave that, you know, to the, to the Svarim that have hundreds of answers. Although we are going to give a new answer tonight that may not be in the same. What we're going to talk about tonight is another famous question. And this question is what we call a question that has uh, been widespread in the Olam HaYeshivas, in the Yeshiva world. Okay? This is the kasha of Reb Chaim. You know, when we talk about Reb Chaim, who are we talking about? Reb Chaim Salavechik, the briskarav. Yeah? Right. The father of the briskarav. Reb Chaim. You ready for the question? <clears throat> Listen to this question. What happened? They poured in the oil, right? <clears throat> they didn't have enough oil to last for eight days. And somehow, miraculously, the oil regenerated and it grew and it increased. Says Rav Chaim Brisker, one second, where did this oil come from? What kind of oil is this? Did you see any oil being squeezed out of an olive? No. It miraculously, poof, right? It appeared. M- magical oil, miraculous oil, is not halachic oil. It's not halachically kosher for lighting the menorah. Yeah? If let's say, you know, you didn't have tefillin, and you daven, and all of a sudden, tefillin appeared. Can't make a brach on it. It's not kosher tefillin. That's not tefillin is tefillin that was made by, you know, you had a batemacher, and you had a cipher who wrote it. Magical tefillin isn't tefillin. Magical oil is not oil. It's very nice. It might be very holy, and you probably could sell it for a lot of money at an auction before you sell the alias, and then you sell the, the Shem and Zayas, and you, can, you put in the Aron Kodesh for a few days, you know, you can milk it for even more money, right? And you can have the Rabbanim will bless it, and they'll daven 40 days at the Kaisal, and you get a lot of money for it. But it's not kosher for the menorah, because for the menorah you need Shemen Zayas Zach. You need pure 
olive oil. This is not olive oil. This is shemen nace. This is miracle oil. Miracle oil, you know. It sounds like some product, you know. You know, you could rub it on and your skin. Miracle oil. Miracle whip. What? Miracle whip. Miracle whip, yeah. You know, you can make people disappear with it. Miracle oil. So the Asrub Chaim Brisker, very nice. Hashem made this beautiful miracle, and we celebrate Hanukkah, and we eat latkes, and jelly donuts, and chocolate coins, right? Everything. And now you even have to sing the Maccabees, right? You have to sing Maccabees. But, halachically speaking, it was not kosher for the menorah. It was possible. That's the famous question of Reb Chaim Brisker that's brought down in the Sefer Mayadim Halacha of Reb Zevin. And it's also called in the Sefer Mikrai Kaidash by Reb Sri Pesach Frank. And recently they put out a new Sefer called Asufais Rabbein Chaim Halevi Brisker of all the Chidushe Torah of Reb Chaim. And this question appears. And therefore Reb Chaim Brisker says, you know what you have to say? You know what they did? I'll tell you what they did, says Reb Chaim. The miracle was not that the oil increased quantitatively, but rather the miracle was in the quality of the oil. In other words, what happened was, they poured all the oil in on the first night, and guess what happened? It only went down one-eighth. So the, the oil did not increase, it was regular natural oil. It was one day's worth of oil. But in one day, only an eighth of it burned. So the quality of this oil improved. It's not that oil regenerated, more oil formed. No, that would not be kosher oil. They poured in a whole day's worth of oil, only one-eighth of the oil burnt on the first night. And on the second night, the second eighth. And on the third night, the third eighth. And finally on the eighth night, it all burnt down. That's why we have eight days of Chatzka. That's the answer to the Beis question. But to say that miraculously oil, the oil appeared out of nowhere, no way. No way, Jose, says Reb Chaim. That can't be. Why? Because that's miracle oil. Miracle oil is not halachic oil. This is the big question of Reb Chaim, okay? So if you're walking down the street tomorrow and somebody says, you have a good kasha from the Oilam HaYeshivas, not the Beis Yosef's question. I know that question already. Right? Somebody wants to hear a good kasha, they ask in yeshiva. You know, in the alum de shakasha, you tell them over Reb Chaim's kasha. When Reb Zevin heard this question, Reb Zevin said, I have a raya, I have a proof that Reb Chaim's kasha is a very good question. Why? He said, remember in Sefer Malachim Bez, there was a man by the name of Ayvadya. We read about him in the Haftarah this past week. Yeah? And Oivadya, Yare Es Hashem. Whenever you see Yare Es Hashem, Es Lerabois Talmide Chachomen. He didn't just fear God, he feared Torah scholars, right? What does that mean? Because Achav wanted to kill out all the Talmide Chachomen. So Oivadya took 100 Nevi'im, he hid them in a cave, and he protected them, and he fed them. Now, if you want to save Jews, it costs money. Where did Ayvadya get the money from? He borrowed a lot of money. He borrowed and he borrowed and he borrowed. And then unfortunately he passed away. And his almana got left with the debt. And the almana doesn't know what to do because the creditors are coming. They want to take away everything she has. They're banging on the door. They're calling on the cell phone, on the regular phone. They're texting, emailing, everything. Yeah? She doesn't know what to do. So she goes to the Navi Elisha. And she says, Elisha, what should I do? So Elisha says, you have any oil in the house? So she says, I only have one cup. 
So Alicia says, get all the cans and baskets and barrels and containers you have, bring them here. She takes the cup of oil and she starts pouring into one cup, into another cup, into another barrel. She's filling up hundreds of barrels. Alicia says, now you're a wealthy woman, go sell the oil, pay up the creditors. Happily ever after. That's the end of the story. The Radak quotes the Taisefta that says that the woman then came to Elisha and asked Elisha a halachic shayla. You ready for the question? She asked him, now that I have a hundred barrels of oil, I have to give maiser, right? Halacha. If somebody has, earns money and they're able to meet their expenses, they're required to give 10% to charity, to tzedakah. So she wants to know. She, Hashem just, you know, she won the lottery. Powerball, mega million, right? She won a hundred barrels of, of olive oil. She has to give ten to tzedakah. So Elisha says, you're pater, you're exempt. Why? Miracle. This is not earning. This is not oil. This is shemenes. This is miraculous oil. You're exempt. You're exempt from uh, meiser. You're pater. Says Reb Zevin, ah. Oh, if the Radak is bringing down from the Tosefta that miraculous oil is exempt from Meiser, so then miraculous oil, you cannot fulfill the mitzvah of lighting the in the Beis HaMikdash. It's the same thing. So this is a very solid proof, says Reb Zevin, to the Kasha of Reb Chaim Brisker, miraculous oil is not oil. Oh, so what they use, so like Reb Chaim says, you have to say they poured in one day's worth of oil, the oil didn't increase, it only, one-eighth of it was used up. The miracle was qualitative, not quantitative. In other words, one-eighth of a, of a container of oil that should have only lasted one-eighth of a night, it lasted the entire night. It's not that the oil increased qualitatively, but the quality of the oil was enhanced. It was a miraculous quality oil. Yeah? Right, you go online, you, have, you, could, you could buy... Miraculous quantitative oil, miraculous qualitative oil, right? So that says Reb Chaim, the miracle was in the quality. Okay. So, so far we have a very solid proof from Tanakh that miraculous oil is exempt from halacha. Let's see if we could bring some other proofs from uh, different places about this Indian of whether something miraculous is subject to halacha or is not subject to halacha. And eventually we're going to come back to Yosef and his brothers. Okay. Who remembers the story? Yeah? Reb Shimbar Yechai, Gemara and Shabbos. Remember, he was running away from the Romans. He went into the cave. What did Reb Shimbar Yechai eat for all those years? Carob. Carob tree, right? Miraculously, a carob tree grew. Oh, wait a second. Did he eat from the carob tree? Yes. How could he eat from the tree? Isn't it Arla? The first three years of a tree, you can't eat the fruit. The fourth year, you need to bring the fruits up to Yushalayim. How could Reb Shimon Bar Yechai and his son Reb Lazar eat from the fruit of the carob? You know how to eat Arla? The first three years, you can't eat it. Okay, you ready for this? We have a new name, new Maramakam. Says Reb Aaron Leib Steinman, one of the G'daylei Hadar of today, lives in B'nai Brak. Says Oh, we have a raya from this Gemara that miraculous products are exempt from halacha. This wasn't a regular tree. This was a miracle carob tree. A miracle carob tree is pater from Arla. There's no halacha of Arla on a miracle carob tree. 
you still have to thank Hashem. Look, they made a bracha on the man. They still have to have gratitude. But there's no din of Arla. There's no din of Arla. <coughs> but then Rabbi Lasham said, no, it's not a proof. You know why it's not a proof? He says like this, maybe I'll tell you miracle products are not exempt from Allah. So why was Rabbi Shemai allowed to eat the food? Wasn't it miraculous? He says, no. Because when it comes to Arla, the Torah says, Vin unitatem If you plant a fruit tree, you need to take Arla. You can't eat it. Now, it, this wasn't planted. This tree was not planted. Maybe really miraculous products are obligated in Halacha. The only thing is, you have to plant it. If, let's say, you could create a tree without planting it, let's say in the laboratory, right? My father-in-law is here today. Maybe... Could you, could you plant something in the laboratory? If it grows by itself. If it grows by itself. So maybe you'd be potter from Arla, right? There's no obligation. So he's saying, it's not that a miraculous thing is exempt from halacha. What is it? What is it? It's, it wasn't planted. It wasn't planted. So therefore, maybe that's the reason why uh, Rav Shemaichah was able to eat from the fruit of the carrot tree. Okay. Let's bring another proof. You ready for this? In the Mishkan, right? Forty years in the Mishkan, they lit the menorah. Where'd they get the oil from? Where'd they get the oil from? They had olive, olive trees growing in the desert. Anyone ever seen an olive tree growing in the desert? So Targum, you understand Ben Uziel says, you know where they got it from? Look at number 19. Pasuk Chafchas. V'saivin anone shemaya. The clouds, the anane covered went, the Oslin Lagan Eden, they went to the you know, Garden of Eden. Yeah? Not on Coney Island. They went to real Coney, right? Gan Eden. The Nasmin Mitaman, and they brought from there Yas Busba Bechira, Choice Ketires, the Yas Mishcha Dezais, and olive oil. Did you just say in English? Yeah. The clouds of glory went, they, they took olive oil from, from the Garden of Eden. From Gan Eden, from paradise. How they could go there, pardon me? The clouds? They go to Gan Eden. The clouds, how'd they go there? I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't get it. The clouds, the clouds of glory, they got in. I don't know how exactly. <laughs> they had keys, you know, they had a pass. They had, you know, they had special VIP pass. Hashem let them in Gan Eden. They took the olive oil. They brought it to the people at the Mishkan. Says Reb Tzvi Pesach Frank. One second. This is normal oil. This is oil. This is not oil. This is the kind of oil you get in Wasserman's. This is miraculous oil. This is miraculous oil. And this is what they lit in the Mishkan for 40 years. So don't you see, not like Reb Chaim's question, miraculous oil is oil. Says Reb Tzvi Pesach Frank, it's not a question on Reb Chaim. Because it doesn't say the cloud magically created the oil. The cloud got it from Gan Eden. Now, if you would ever go to Gan Eden, you would see over there, there are olive trees growing in Gan Eden. Says the two Pesach Frank, how do I know? And I, wasn't, I was never there. I'll tell you how I know. Because in Parshas Noyach, it talks about the Yoyna. And the Yoyna had an olive branch in its mouth. And the Medrash, look at number 21. And Bereshus Rav asks, where did the Yoyna get it from? And the Medrash says, it got it from Gan Eden. So what do you see from there? That if you go to Gan Eden, they have olive trees. So it wasn't miraculous oil. It was regular oil that was attained in a miraculous manner. So you have no, there's no evidence from the Shemen 
that was used in the Mishkan, that Shemenes is permitted. Maybe really you can use Shemenes, like Reb Chaim is asking. But the fact that they got oil from the Gan Eden, it's not miraculous, it's regular oil. Just it was gotten in a miraculous manner. However, as you are about to see, it is very unclear whether Reb Chaim Brisker ever asked this question, okay? Very unclear. It's very uh, controversial. Did Reb Chaim ask this question, right? You got to remember the question? The question is, how could we have used, in the times of Hanukkah, miraculous oil? Miraculous oil is not oil. And in fact, Reb David Salavechik, who is a son of the Brisker Rav, who is a son of Reb Chaim, he claims he lived in the son of Reb Chaim. Again, Reb Chaim is the one who we're alleging the question to. His son was the Grizz, the Briskarov. His son is Rav David Salvechik. Rav David Salvechik said, look, I grew up in the house of the Grizz. And I ate at all the Hanukkah parties. Never did my father say, you know, Rav Chaim asked this question. I never heard my whole life that Rav Chaim asked this question. And says Rav David, there's no way he asked this question. He never asked this question. Because the same way they got miraculous oil in the times of the Mishkan from Gan Eden, you could use miraculous oil. So it's a little uncertain, as you're about to see, whether Reb Chaim, in fact, asked this question. <coughs> On the other hand, I'm going to bring you a raya now, that miraculous oil is kosher for the menorah. You want to hear a very good raya? From the Beis Yosef. Because what does the Beis Yosef answer to the question? The Beis Yosef says, the first night of Hanukkah, they poured the whole thing in, and it regenerated. And that's what they use the second night. So obviously the Beis Yosef holds that miraculous oil is good oil. So very nice, Reb Chaim feels that miraculous oil is not kosher. Reb Chaim is forced to say they poured the whole thing in and every night it went down an eighth and eighth and eighth and eighth. But according to the Beis Yosef, the Beis Yosef says very clearly that it regenerated miraculously and it's still good for the Menorah. I'll ask you another question. The Gemara tells us in Baba Metziah and in Masech Tainus, yeah? You're going into your bank, yeah? And you know you have a big, you have a big room with, with treasure chests, hundreds and thousands of dollars, you know? You even have a diving board. You, you dive in and you swim in all your money, right? And every day you go in to count your money. So the Gemara says, what should you do first? Should you count it first or should you daven first that Hashem should increase it? So uh, the Gemara says, first daven that Hashem should increase the money and then count it. Because once you count it, you know, once you count a hundred billion dollars, so Hashem's not going to throw in another hundred bucks. But if you first daven and then you count, who knows, maybe Hashem will slip in some extra money. Yeah? Okay. Says the Gemara, so first daven, yeah, when you go to the bank, first daven and then check your accounts. Yeah? Now, if you don't have anything, then you'll know it's an open miracle. But if you have a lot of money, maybe Hashem will slip in a, a, another hundred dollars. Says the Gemara, why are you going in to count your money? You're going in to give sir, because you count your money, and you're going to count it. You have a hundred million dollars. How much do you have to give? Ten million dollars to tzedakah. So wait a second. Wait a second. Ask the Sefer Klichemda. You ready for that? What's going on over here? You have... Let's say like this, you had $100 million in your bank account. And you're going to dive in, Hashem, give me more money. Hashem's going to slip in $100, and now you're going to go give nicer. Or even better, let's talk about fruit. You had 100 apples, you're going to say, Hashem, give me more produce. So now you're going to come in, there are 110 apples. So instead of giving 10 apples for nicer, now you have to give 11. 11. 
So ask the Klichenda, <coughs> 11 apples, which 11 apples are you going to take? <laughs> if you're going to take one of those apples that miraculously came, those apples the Radak told us are putter from Iser. Because miraculous apples are putter from Iser. So you're going to take one of those apples which is exempt from Iser to exempt some of the other apples that are chayiv in Iser? You can't take minap Torah al you can't take from something that's exempt from Meisr on something that's chayv in Meisr. So this Gemara seems to indicate, says the Klichemda, that miraculous produce is chayv in Meisr. Yeah, yeah. You shouldn't give uh, from your produce. You shouldn't use the miracle. You shouldn't put that. You can't. Use. You can't. Uh, yeah, that that's something else. Something something that's miraculous. You're not supposed to get benefit from. You're not supposed to be manna from Meisr Nisim. But this Gemara, what? Yeah, Baria feel about Elaflay Bato, right? Uh, it's, it's not. So if we're talking about apples, right? Money is also not Bato. Money is not Bato. Yeah. Money is a Kesef like Bato. So again, so this Gemara seems to indicate that no, miraculous produce is Chayven Meiser. Because if it would be potter from Meiser, then how could you pray? And then go in and take off Meiser, you may be taking from some of that miraculous produce. So the Kli Chemna says the following split. Okay, you ready for this? He says like this. It depends what the starting point is. In the case of the Isha Hashanamis, she had a little bit of oil. That oil, she had already taken Meiser off of that oil. So if that oil regenerates, it will have the same status as the original oil. And the same way the original oil was, a, was already micered, so whatever regenerates is also it's already exempt. Because whatever miraculously grows from something has a status of the original thing. So in the case of the woman who her oil regenerated, then since the original oil was micer, was taken off, what has regenerated now is exempt from Meisr. But in the case of a guy who's going into his silo to count the produce, to take off Meisr, he has not taken Meisr off anything yet. So everything's Chayv and Meisr. So whatever regenerates is also Chayv Okay? A little confusing, right? Okay. Let's go a little bit further. Let's go a little bit further. There was a Rav by the name of Rav Menachem ben Menachem, who is a Rosh Hashiva and Yeshivas Tifrach in Eretz who claims that he once met a very old man with a long white beard. And this old man with a white beard actually met Reb Chaim Brisker. And when he was a young kid. And this old man says that when he was a young kid, he t- comes to Reb Chaim, he says, Reb Chaim, you know that famous question you ask, how could you use the oil, how could they use the oil in the times of the Beis Hamikdash, that miraculous oil, but it's Shem and Ace. I have a good answer to that question. So he answers the question, and Rabbi Chaim said, that's a beautiful answer. But I never asked the question. So here we have, you know, original testimony, eyewitness testimony, that Rabbi Chaim said he never asked the question. And in fact, Rabbi David Salavechik says definitively, Reb Chaim never asked this question. Why not? Because Reb David Salvation says he has a clear proof from Shas. Miraculous products are halachically acceptable. What's the proof? 
You ready for this? A Gemara Menachos Daf Samachtes. The Gemara says like this. Remember uh, Hurricane Sandy? Yeah? So there's something called a water spout. You know what a water spout is? Yeah, what's a water spout? Under the ocean. Yeah? A water spout is, it's like a tornado that it picks up water. It could pick up water from the ocean, deposit it somewhere else. That is, it's an actual phenomenon that the Gemara discusses. The Gemara wants to know, if you have a water spout, it picks up wheat and it deposits it on the Mizbeach. Could you bring a carbon mincha from that wheat? Right? And we know a carbon mincha has to come from chitim. So the Gemara wants to know, if you have a water spout, a wind picks up wheat and puts it on the Mizbeach, is it kosher for a carbon mincha? So the Gemara says, no. Why not? Why not? Tyson said, no, that's not what the Gemara means. It doesn't mean a water spout. It means, what if you have a cloud that miraculously deposits wheat on the Mizbeach? Can you bring a carbon mincha from that wheat? Says the Gemara. Why not? Says the Dove says, what do you mean, why not? Because miraculous wheat is not wheat. But you see from this Gemara, very clearly, that if miraculously wheat appears, it is halachic wheat, and you could bring a carbon mincha from it. So if miraculous wheat is wheat, then miraculous oil is oil. And therefore, Rav David Salavechik says, Rav Chaim never asked this question. Miraculous wheat is wheat. Miraculous oil is oil. And that's his conclusion. That Rav Chaim never asked the question. We still have a problem though. What are we going to do with the Radak that says that miraculous oil is exempt from Iser? So you could say like we answered before. Because she, since she had already taken off Iser off the original oil, so whatever regenerates has the same status as that original oil, even though that's not what the Radak says. The Radak says it's because it's miraculous. So Rabbi said, I would like to say that Rabbi Chaim definitely asked this question. No question. He definitely asked this question. And I'm going to bring you three proofs that Rabbi Chaim asked this question. The only thing we're going to have to deal with is the fact that Rabbi Chaim, we have an eyewitness testimony that they asked Rabbi Chaim, did you ask? And he said, no. We'll deal with that. But first we're going to bring three proofs that Reb Chaim asked the question and one of the proofs we're going to bring from Yosef and his brothers. Okay? Proof number one, you know the briskers say there are three achroinim that have the status of a rishain. Reb Chaim, <laughs> Reb Chaim, and the Vilna Gain, and the Malbim. So let's see what the Malbim has to say about miraculous products. Look at number 32. It says in Vayera, the Malachim come to Avram Avinu, and Avram Avinu is running after a cow. He hurried to, to make it. To cook it, to slaughter it. Says the Malachim, he had to make it. The cow ran away, so he was left with no cow, so he had to make a new cow. So what did he do? He opened up the new book that he just authored called Sefer HaYetzira, which was written by Avraham Avinu. And he said some kind of uh, mystical incantation. He created a cow. 
says the Malbum, what are we getting involved in these, you know, mystical things? Why do we, why do we sing, Abraham made a cow? Says the Malbum, we have to say he made a cow. You know why? Because the Chumr says he served the Malachim meat, mm-hmm. and he served them milk. <laughs> How could he serve the angels, Basar V'chalav? Abraham made the uh, uh, angels do an Aver being Basar V'chalav? So you have to say the meat he served wasn't meat. Why? Because it was miraculous. It was miraculous meat. He created the cow. That's what it means. Says the Malbum, Because Avram created it with this mystical book. You could eat it with milk. Because miraculous meat is not meat. That's a pretty good proof, I think, that a Dover Nisi, a miraculous item, is not halachically recognized. I'm going to bring you another proof. Back to the Shlach Yosef HaTzadik is speaking Lashon Har about the brothers. Yeah? What did he say? They're eating Aver Menachai. They're acting inappropriately with Nashem. Says the Shlach Miman of Shach. Either way you look at it, it doesn't make sense. If, what, Yosef is making up a fabricated story? He's making up a story? That can't be. It's the truth. The Shvatim are eating Eber Meachai. Says the Shlach Kodesh. Listen to this. Who wrote the Sefer HaYetzira? Abraham. Who did he teach it to? Yitzchak. Who did Yitzchak teach it to? Yaakov. Who did Yaakov teach it to? Not all of his sons. He did not teach it to four of his sons. Dan, Naphtali, God, and Asher. Why not? Because the Gemara in Kedushan says you can't teach secrets of the Torah to someone whose mother is a shivcha. Unless you're a meyuchas, you can't learn the secrets of the Torah. So when Reuven and Shimon and Levin, they were busy with the Sefer HaYetzirah, so Dan and Naphtali came and said, what are you busy with? He said, sorry, you're, the son, you're an Evet. You can't learn this. He, they weren't putting them down. They were just telling them the halacha. You can't learn the Sefer HaYetzirah because your mother is a shivcha. Now we know from the Gemara in Sanhedrin that uh, often Erev Shabbos, the Amoran, they wouldn't go shopping. What, they're going to wait in errands for, you know, who knows how long? They made a cow with the Sefer HaYetzirah. So that's what the brothers did. They made a cow with the Sefer HaYetzirah. Says the Shlach, do you have to shech the cow that was created with the Sefer HaYetzirah? No, because a miraculous cow is not a cow. You could bite right into it. Yosef didn't realize the brothers were using the Sefer Yitzir to create a cow, so he told the father, they're eating Eber Menachai. Yeah, but you know, he didn't suspect they were using it for a supper. Yeah? So Yosef thought they were eating Eber Menachai. Pardon me, as a Jew, are we allowed to make him magic? No, it's not magic. It's Sefer Yitzir, but we don't know how to use it anymore. Oh, we don't know. No. So no. If something created in that natural way, for instance, they can do it in labs of animal. So that's a very good question. Let's say we create somebody, let's say we uh, make a goylem, yeah? They have in the shul, in the office over there, whenever they're in trouble, you know, they bring out, they have a secret goylem. When it, sometimes we don't have a minion, so what do we think we do, right? <laughs> the Mishnah Brewer has a question, right? Let's say you have nine people, and you make a goylem. Is he mitzarif to a minion? Mm-hmm. It's not a minion. There's no soul. It's a big question, Halacha. It's a big question, Halacha. The Chacham Tzvi has a tshuva on it. 
Very big question on Lacha. Okay. So says the Shlach Kadosh, these Nashim that the Shvatim, Yosef, though, were acting inappropriately with, they created the Sefer Yitzira. There are no Isurim with something that is miraculous. So we have a clear proof from the Malbim. Why was the Yosef down What? It was Naita looked. It looked uh, pretty bad. It looked pretty bad. Ultimately, the Medrash says, because Yosef wasn't down the Kafschus, and he, he um, criticized them, so he was suspected of all of these things, right? The Medrash goes on to say. So what we have over here, I think, is that the Shloss seems to be saying pretty clearly that miraculous items are not halachically, uh, are not subject to halacha. So you'll ask me, and what does the Mishnah Brura paskin? What does the Mishnah Brura have to say about miraculous items? He doesn't have anything to say about it, right? It's only a theoretical question. But in the Sefer Shmir's Halashan, the Chafetz Chaim, I believe, also adds in his two cents. And that is, the Chafetz Chaim asks, how could the brothers have eaten Eber Menachai? Says the Chafetz Chaim, they created it with Sefer Hayetzirah. And Sefer Hayetzirah, when you create something miraculously, you are not subject to Halacha. So I think we have three pretty solid proofs that miraculous items are not Chayven Halacha. Right? Aye, but when they asked Reb Chaim, Chaim, did you ask this question? He said no. So I'll tell you a little story. It's brought down in the introduction to the new Sefer, Asufa Yisrabinu Chaim Halevi, that Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky was once speaking to his son, which son, I don't know, about how they used to learn in Brisk. Okay? This is, you know, you're getting real uh, the inside view of the yeshiva world. In Brisk, Rabbi Yaakov said, every word was measured. Every word was exact. And if you didn't say over the shear with the exact same words, with the exact tune and niggin and inflection and emphasis, you don't know what's good. You didn't say it. That's not the shear. And what's Rabbi Yaakov even said? He had a friend, Rabbi Mendel Shuk, who was once on a train with Rabbi Chaim himself in 1917. And Remendel came to Reb Chaim and asked him, Reb Chaim, I have an answer to your question about Shemenes. And Reb Chaim said, that's a wonderful answer, but I never asked the question. So he couldn't believe it because his father, who learned from Reb Chaim, his father said it over every single Hanukkah. So he told his father, you know, this question that you claim Reb Chaim asked, he told me he didn't ask the question. Okay. So the father went to Rav Baruch Ber. Rav Baruch Ber was the star pupil of Rav Chaim. And he said, Rav Baruch Ber, Rav Chaim said he didn't ask this question. Rav Baruch Ber said, what? Of course he asked the question. I heard it from him. I heard it from him. So says Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, what's the pshat? The answer is that in brisk, the learning was so fine-tuned, was so exacting, that if you didn't say over the question, word for word, with the exact precise way the Rebbe said it over, you didn't say over the question. He never asked that question. He didn't ask the question. So did Reb Chaim ask the question? In brisk, they say they never asked it. But we have a lot of evidence that whether he asked it or not, it's a good question. Miraculous products are not the real thing. And I think the lesson we learn from here is that in life, you know, we want the shortcut. We want the instant gratification. We want to do things miraculously, easily. Mm-hmm.
but it's not the real thing. The real way to go is through hard work, through effort, through our own hishtadlus, and that is the pure way to do something. That's the authentic way to do something. When you do it with your own hard work, that is the authentic way to go. Have a wonderful evening.